Today's reading is from the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, starting at verse 13, and it'll be on the screen, or if you want to follow it in the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 202 of the New Testament section. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call and with the sound of God's trumpet will descend from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Lynn. It's great to see you here this morning. If we've not met before, my name's Simon, and it's lovely to see you here. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. God of life, God of love, and God of hope, help us to hear your voice this morning and believe in you. Amen. In her televised address for COP26 in November last year, Her Majesty said that none of us will live forever. She has decorated our stamps and our coins. She has been the name on our national anthem for so long. And her life has connected us to our national history, stretching even back to the Second World War and before. Someone in the recent days has described Her Majesty as the background music of our lives. She was always there, even when you didn't notice it, even when you didn't realize. And now, After seven decades, she is gone. None of us will live forever. She was the nation's monarch, but much more, the nation's mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. And talking to many in the church here, but in the community around us and neighbours and friends, her death has reminded us of the passing of our own loved ones our own mothers and fathers, our own grandparents. For some, it has caused us to reflect on happier days, on brighter futures we once looked out on. And I think for others, although I haven't heard this, Her Majesty's death has acted as a mirror. If even she dies, then so will we.
It was our late Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. Whatever you think of him and his policies, he got it right, I think, when he said that many of us, like children, thought the Queen would go on and on forever. With this range of emotions and feelings, it's no surprise that one newspaper headline this week said that no one knows how to mourn the Queen. I was talking with a gentleman just after 9.15 who broke down in tears and said exactly that in his own words. The article went on to say, as it turned out, the death of a monarch was at once in several generations occurrence. So it is hardly surprising that we didn't and don't quite know how to conduct ourselves in its wake. No matter how long you have to prepare for an event such as this, no matter how expected it is, and now, no matter how much of a forewarning you have, it still comes as something of a shock, a surprise even. Now, in one sense, the Queen was 96. The friend we happened to be with in London when she died said as much as that. She had a good and rich and happy life. She died with those nearest and dearest to her. She died in a place that she loved. And yet, for many of us, her death has still been a profound shock and sadness. And as Roland said, we don't quite know what to do with that. Rebecca, just last night, said to me that it still seems surreal that the Queen is dead. And so this morning, whether you're full of sadness for the Queen or not, I want us to think what it means to have hope. The passage that was read for us, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, page 202, you might want to follow along. What does it mean to grieve with hope? And I think we'll find this morning a distinctly Christian answer to this question. Verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. St. Paul knows, even with all he believes about the resurrection and Christian hope, that Christians are still to grieve. Tissues and tears are appropriate. The Bible elsewhere describes death as the last and greatest enemy. And God himself, when he visited our earth, wept at the side of his friend Lazarus, who was dead. We are to grieve, says Paul, verse 13, but not like those who have no hope. When family and friends, when a Christian monarch who believes in Christ dies, we are to grieve, but with hope. And I don't know if you spotted, in verse 13, there's a little K after the word died. And in the footnote at the bottom of page 202, it says, fallen asleep. In the Greek, the word in the end of verse 13, the end of verse 14, the end of verse 15, died, is literally fallen asleep. It's where we get the word coma from. And so Christians are those who have fallen asleep. Many have commented in the last few days that the Queen has fallen asleep or been laid to rest or passed away. As a society, when death confronts us, we rarely ever use the term death. My own barber 
at Bent's Green told me that when he goes down this road and past the church, he literally turns his face the other way to avoid looking at the graves in our graveyard. We don't know how to mourn as a society. Or perhaps what we do, in the words of a famous poem, is say that death is nothing at all. But our tears and our emotions and our sorrow tells us that that is not true. But Paul, when he uses the expression fallen asleep, he's not doing that because he can't stare death in the eye. Paul is saying Christians are believers who have fallen asleep because he knows that Jesus Christ has defeated death. Verse 14, he goes on to say that we can grieve with hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. That's the first point today. We can grieve with hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. Have a listen. Verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. The good news of Jesus Christ, of the Queen's King, is that he entered our world. He took on our sorrow and our sadness and our suffering. And he faced death. And he defeated it. And on the third day, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from dead, never to die again. In the early dark days of COVID in 2020, for the first time in her reign, Her Majesty addressed the nation at Easter. In her speech, she included these words. The discovery of the risen Christ on the first Easter day gave his followers new hope and new purpose. And we can all take heart from this. As dark as death can be, particularly for those suffering with grief, light and life are greater. How are we to mourn the passing of our monarch? Well, the Queen herself gives us the answer. She would want us all to take heart from the resurrection of Christ. We are to grieve with hope because of Jesus' resurrection. Now, many in our society think talk of Jesus' resurrection is just nonsense. It's a myth for a bygone age. Maybe that's you here this morning. And so I want to tell you the story of Professor Simon Greenleaf. He was once the professor of law at Harvard University. He was celebrated in his field and a very happy and devout atheist. He didn't believe in God. And he used to tell his students that the resurrection of Jesus was absolute nonsense, legally and historically, until the day when some of his students said, you should look into the evidence and think about it for yourselves. So being a good lawyer, he followed the evidence. And has he discovered the empty tomb the transformation of the first followers of Jesus, the fact that over 500 saw him at once and were eyewitnesses to him, when he considered the birth of the early church and the explosion of it across the Roman ancient world, in the end, he did a complete and utter U-turn. And Professor Simon Greenleaf became one of the great defenders of Christianity in his age. 
And this was his quote about the resurrection. According to the laws of legal evidence used in the courts of law, there is more evidence for the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus than for just about any other event in human history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not simply a personal comfort to us who believe, but the physical, bodily, historical fact of Christ's resurrection from the dead that first Easter morning, as Her Majesty said. And so firstly, we can grieve because of hope, because of Jesus' resurrection, but secondly, we can grieve with hope because of Jesus' return. Have a listen to how the Apostle Paul describes the return of Christ in verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. The King of Kings will come down from heaven. The defeater of death will descend. And the resurrected one will return. And his return with trumpets and angels will be far greater than any coronation we might have ever seen or any state funeral we will watch tomorrow. I'm sure we all remember Prince Philip's funeral, those of us who watched it. And the picture of Her Majesty alone in black and her COVID mask. But it was only this week that I realized the significance of the end of Prince Philip's funeral. The last post was played, and following that, Rivali, a French term, a piece of music which translated into English means wake up. And here at the end of Prince Philip's funeral was the Christian gospel in music. Death and mourning, and then wake up. Death and resurrection, sleeping and waking up. And the Apostle Paul in this passage says that the dead will rise, just as Christ has risen. And we will be more alive and more real than ever before. If you're anything like me, it's almost too difficult to comprehend. But the Queen's own words at that COP26 summit, none of us will live forever, of course is right. And then in another way, is wrong. What does Paul say? Have a listen. Verse 17. We will be with the Lord forever. This is why Christians grieve with hope. This is what it means to offer an answer to our world that has no idea what to do 
in the face of death. We have hope because of the resurrection of Christ and we have hope because of the return of Christ. And so, as Her Majesty said in her COVID speech a few years ago, we will meet again. And this is the happy ending our hearts and our world longs for, isn't it? When God will come down and right every wrong that has ever happened on his earth. When God comes down and we see him face to face. When God comes down and he wipes every tear from our eye. When God comes down and death and mourning and pain are no more forever. Isn't this what your hearts long for? And so as I conclude, how are we to take this into our lives? What are we to do with this good news of hope beyond the grave? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us two answers at the beginning and at the end. The first one at the beginning, he simply says, verse 4, we believe. How do we let this truth of resurrection hope fill our lives? We believe it. And secondly, verse 18, we encourage each other. It doesn't say those with dog collars are to talk about it. It says we encourage one another with the hope of resurrection and the hope of Christ's return. So let me ask you this week, who can you encourage? Who in this church can you encourage? Who in your family can you encourage? Who can you offer this hope to this week, today and tomorrow, as death is at the centre of our national life together? And so let us grieve with hope. Hope in the resurrection of Christ and hope in his return. Let us pray. Let us ask the God of hope to fill us now with his hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let us pray that God would enable us to be a people of hope, sharing his hope with others. Let us pray for those who mourn not only the passing of a monarch, but their own families and friends. Lord Jesus Christ, risen Son of God, breathe by the power of your Holy Spirit, hope into our lives and these prayers. Amen.